Today's episode of Setting the Edge is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash setting edge. That's audibletrial.com slash setting edge. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash setting edge. I'm popping bottles tonight. Come do for a fight if you're ready. I'm popping bottles, baby. I'm popping bottles, baby. I'm popping bottles tonight. Welcome to episode 34 of the Setting the Edge podcast. I'm Justice Mosqueda. You can find me on Twitter at J U M O S Q, the Jew Mosque. I'm here with Charles McDonald. You can find him on Twitter at 4Verts. Uh, we're here today for 32 takes. 32 hot takes on 32 NFL teams. We've done a lot of work. Uh, just kind of previewing the NFL season with our update series. So uh, with all the research we've done, we figured out, or we're not, we figured out. We figured that it might be fun to just kind of spit some hot takes and you guys can respond to that. Yes, sir. So uh, how, how are we going to do? Let's start with the NFC, our native NFC. All right. So we'll, we'll do uh, we'll do east, north, south, then west. And we'll just go back. Go. Let's go back and forth. We'll, we'll, I'll pick a team. You pick a team. I'll pick a team. You pick a team. And we'll... We'll BS test our take. So I'll go first. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles making the playoffs. So that team has got a great defensive line, right? Their offensive tackle pairing is probably the best in the league. All the notes out of camp are that the receivers are are uh, going to improve or are improved already. Um, obviously, there are issues with the quarterback situation. I, I don't think either of us are big into Carson Wentz. Um, their their cornerbacks aren't good either. Uh, I, I think you can make the case. Someone was making the case that like you can't even get to the Super Bowl without two good cornerbacks. And I looked at the list of the teams that were recently in the Super Bowl, and I was kind of astonished at how accurate that was. Yeah. But even the Eagles last year, you know, if we're if we're looking at if we're looking at teams from a close game perspective, right? Like we we know now that close games are 50-50 shots. The Eagles won six games by multiple scores last year. Um, the only team that won more than that in the NFC were the Atlanta Falcons. Like in in a vacuum, that team probably should have been a 9 and 5 team. Um that's only behind the Falcons uh and the Lions or the Falcons and the uh, Cowboys. So, like th- this is very much a talented team that was very unlucky last year. Um I think I think that comes around. Their pass rush is even better. Um linebackers are solid. You know, it's it's just the cornerback and quarterback issue. Like it's the passing game on the outside that's going to hurt them. Yeah, and I I think that they might be in a place on defense where that defensive line, if everyone stays healthy, has potential to be very overwhelming. I think you know, we I think Brandon Graham is probably very underrated in terms of how the average public views NFL defensive end. I I have no problem saying he's top five. I think last year he was phenomenal rushing the passer. Uh, according to PFF, he was one of the most. I think he might have been the most efficient pass rusher in the league when it comes to you know getting pressures and sacks per pass rush attempt. So that's a that's a guy who's a star. Fletcher Cox is a star. And just looking at uh, Football Outsiders, some of their uh, defensive metrics, they were fourth in total defensive DVOA last year, uh, sixth in weighted DVOA, uh, second against the pass, which is kind of interesting because their cornerback situation was awful, and 13th against the run. So they they were second against the pass, and you're going to have Malcolm Jenkins and uh, 
Rodney McLeod in year two of that defense. The defensive line's good. So I, I think that that defense is going to be good enough to carry them to the playoffs. Yeah, and I just checked uh, NFL 1000 for what how I graded uh, these guys. Uh, I had him second in the NFC, and he was behind only Khalil Mack in the AFC. Joe Goodberry was a guy who graded the AFC defensive end. So, yeah, like big big fans of Brandon Graham in here. Even though like he's never gonna have more than like six and a half sacks in a season. Like it's 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 like it's like a blessing and a curse. It's like hey, we're you're gonna be a dominant pass rusher, and like you're gonna be the face of like how how like short arms does does not matter. Like a, a squatty body does not matter at at uh, the defensive end position. But you're just never gonna have more than six and a half sacks. Like constant pressure, but you're never gonna get home and like be the guy. And also, Vinnie Curry's gonna make like twice as much money as you. Yeah, it's a hard knock life. Uh, let's move on to the Cowboys. My hot take is I think the Cowboys missed the playoffs this year. Yeah, so that that's what happened in our little playoff projection thing that I had. I think it's still my pin tweet right now. I went through every team, looked at it through a gambling perspective. Um, the Dallas Cowboys ended up finishing like. They, the, the Cowboys were fourth in my power rankings, but because of their strength of schedule, they ended up the seventh seed in the NFC. And, like, if you look at it game by game, they really have two layups. Like, they play the Rams and they play the 49ers in every other game. It's 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 reasonable that they would be that they would be in the realm of being able to lose a game. Yeah, that's going to be a really interesting, te- interesting team to kind of follow throughout the season because I, I, I don't think that they – really added anything to their defense that's gonna you know get them over the hump to kind of repeat that success from last year uh i mean their defensive line is just a bunch of guys really they added taco charlton in the first round but i think we're both on the same page he was, he was spinning and on the ground in the first preseason yeah he game. did not he obviously yeah it's, it's one preseason game but he did not have a strong start and he like I, um on tape he just never really looked like anything more than a complimentary piece, not someone you take in the first round. So that that defense just has a, a bunch of guys on it. Maybe Anthony Brown in his second year and you get Chidobe Luzi and Jordan Lewis. Maybe that helps in the secondary, but I, I, I don't trust the defense. And I do think that you're going to see some regression with, with Dak and Zeke. Totally agree with you. Uh, Dallas also lost like more snaps on defense than anyone in free agency, even though they weren't big names. Like they, that's the one thing that I wrote about Dallas in our our season previews was that like Dallas has literally no depth. And like I know, I know there's always a jump in you know the the second line of the depth chart to the first line in the depth chart. But like Dallas like has like literally no experience at certain positions. Um, if you go down to the second line on their depth chart, it's 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 ridiculous, honestly. Uh, I guess I'll take I'll take the New York Giants leave you with the Redskins. Um, I think the Giants kind of. Uh, I don't want to say expo- – oh, here, here's what I'll go. We won't even go with that take. Uh, this is the year that we expose Eli Manning. Okay. Like, that, the Super Bowl are fraudulent. Um, you, he, he basically built his living off of uh, two drives. Uh, you look at the, his most recent Super Bowl, I could have thrown three of the last five uh, passes that he had. Or I, I could have thrown – I could have thrown four. I could, I could have uh, thrown the incompletion, too, that he had. Um, on that last drive when he's when he's over the 50-yard line, uh, two Super Bowls ago for him, uh, I could have thrown the the uh, interception that Asante Samuel dropped. Like it's just completely fraudulent. His entire his entire like brand for like the Hall of Fame is built around two drives, volume stats, which we know don't mean anything anymore, and the fact that he's played so many games, even though he came to the NFL like literally at the time that they started protecting quarterbacks at the rate that they are right now. So it's not, it's not like he's Brett Favre taking those hits when like in the 90s. 
Like this is a completely different situation. Like I, I just can't imagine people like intelligent people voting for him in the Hall of Fame. Like you're you're at the point we've had this conversation before where you were like you you were like, why are you fighting this fight? He's going to get in, but he shouldn't get in. I'm like, that's just not right. You got to fight the good fight, just like Aaron Rodgers should have won the MVP last year. I got I got nothing. I don't I don't even want to respond to that. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't I'm, I don't really I don't see the point in bashing Eli Manning because we all know like like the the just the aesthetic of having the last name Manning and, and toppling. Uh, Brady and Belichick twice. I, I think that's going to get enough with the with the volume stats. That's enough to get him in. That's so stupid. G- give me your Washington take. What what were you able to come up with this one? Uh, I I don't know. With I I I was kind of struggling with this one, but I think that that offense takes a step back. I I know that the numbers for Kirk Cousins were good, but sometimes you know I I think sometimes we get too wrapped up in the numbers and you know just based on uh. Uh, adjusted yards per completion and stats like that. He was good last year, but when you watch it, he's he's like he's really reliant on his weapons. I think at least. Uh, you know, I know our friend Key and Faye, he's talked about this a lot. Uh, that that loss of Deshaun Jackson is going to be huge because sometimes when Kirk Cousins is throwing deep down the field, like the passes aren't accurate, but they still get completed because Deshaun Jackson is so good at tracking those balls down the field. Uh, I think losing Pierre Garcon is going to hurt and. Right now, Josh Doxson's kind of an unknown. Obviously, he was talented coming out of TCU, but he didn't play last season. He's already 25 years old, I believe, or will be 25 during the season. There just seems to be a lot of question marks about that offense, and I, I think that they regress this year. Like, I, I don't like – I think Washington could easily finish last in the division. Yeah, and the interesting thing in Washington is they just gave Jay Gruden that extension, right? But, like, if Jay Gruden has another losing season – He's going to be one of the losingest coaches in the NFL, and like relative to his tenure, I'd say he's probably he'd probably probably Jesus. I'm just eating everything. Uh, probably be one of the most losing coaches to keep their job going into what would be year five. I I think is is year five that he'd be coming up to next year. Like the guys who win at the rate that Jay Gruden do do, do not keep their job. Yeah, and it's it's that simple. I, I I don't think you can bet anything though, because that franchise is just off the walls, Looney Tunes. Uh, let's move on to the AFC East. I'll start AFC. with the yeah AFC East. I'll start off with the Patriots. I think that they have a pretty good shot to go undefeated. Like the only teams, the only games that I see that could really trip them up. Uh, Maybe the Falcons a Sunday night game or their game against the Steelers, but besides that, I I feel like they're gonna roll through the schedule pretty easily. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, there, there's really not that much to say. I mean, this team is absolutely dominant at every level. They they have difference makers on every level other than linebacker. And last year they traded Jamie Collins away and rotated like four undrafted free agent rookies or like write-offs like like Shea McClellan and Kyle uh Kyle Van Noy and were totally fine at the linebacker unit so and they, they were amazing in run defense too like they weren't getting in the backfield we talked about this in the AFC East preview they don't get into the backfield but they tackle everyone one yard deep like it, it's just very textbook team um I don't know how anyone can really compete with that uh, I'll choose the Buffalo Bills um my Buffalo Bills uh, I, I think that's a playoff team, man. Like, I really do. And I think that defensive line is probably going to be one of the best in the NFL. I mean, you just look at it. Marcel Darius is probably – I think he's still 
he might still be the highest paid defensive lineman in football. I'm not. Don't fact check me on that one. Um, Kyle Williams is coming back. Like that. That's a guy who's probably been underrated his entire career. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Hughes is moving back to a four-three defense. Shaq Lawson's moving back to a four-three defense. If you look at Shaq Lawson's contribution per snap last year, because he had to miss the beginning of it with a shoulder issue, um, he was one of the best rookies, rookie defenders last year. Uh, I believe he's still only. I think he's twenty-three now. So like he's still relatively young, even though he basically had to miss half his first year. Um, I, I think you look at that that defensive line: Shaq Lawson, Marcel Darius, Kyle Williams, Jerry Hughes. Like there are maybe three defensive lines that can compete with that in the NFL. And then you look at their running game: um, Sammy Watkins. You know, if, if Sammy Watkins does play, uh, Anquan Bolden, Andre Holmes, Zay Jones coming or uh, adding to the pass passing unit. So, like, you look at all of that, I, I don't know, man. Like, th- that has to be a team that takes a significant jump this year, especially under a new head coach. You get all that new head coach vibes, things like things of that nature. Um, th- this team should be amazing. Sean McDermott, with what Carolina had, had, like, I think they were, like, top 10 in sack percentage last year. They might have been, like, top five. Uh, yeah, I, um, I want to say that they were eighth in sack percentage last year, but... Yeah, yeah, that's a defensive line. And now they have this line. Now he has this line to work with, like of all things. And I think people make a big thing about the defensive backs being bad. I understand that. But like Ronald Darby's coming back. Uh, Tredavious White was one of those guys. We look at those defensive uh, those defensive back metrics where it's like you, if you hit like this 40 times, this, this three-cone time, and this short shuttle, like you will be a pro bowler during your career. Tredavious White uh, checks off that box. Micah Hyde from Green Bay is a solid guy. He's never been like a true starting safety, but he's a good strong safety. Like that that's a guy who kind of played that like Casey Hayward, Charles Woodson role in Green Bay, and I think him giving him full-time reps is not going to be an issue. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of interested to see how this receiver position plays out cuz you got Sammy Watkins who I I think is still extremely talented but just can never figure out a way to stay on the field. And then they drafted Zay Jones the second round. They just signed Anquan Bolden yesterday. So that, it's going to be interesting to see how that offense kind of forms together. And another person that, like, or not a person that they want to see, but someone that they need to replace is Mike Gillisley, who went over to the Patriots. Per Football Outsiders, he was by far the most efficient running back in the league. Uh in terms of DVOA. His yards per carry was crazy. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of that had to do with the rushing threats of Tyrod and uh, LaShawn within that offense that Anthony Lane was running last year. But still, you, you got Tyrod, you got Shady, a pretty solid offensive line. I'm with you. That that team should be in playoff contention for sure. And the Jets, uh, I don't, there's like nothing hot to say about the Jets, but I, I think that if, if there's a hot take, I think that we could be looking at, like, a bottom five offense in NFL history this season. Goodness. They, uh, they I have could, nobody. I see that because, like, even, like, Quincy Inunua is getting hurt now. Yeah, he's out for the season with a neck injury. So, if you just want to look at our lives, our lives, uh, New, York Jets, New York Jets depth chart, excuse me, can't talk today. Uh, their starting receivers are Sharon Peak, Robbie Anderson, Jalen Marshall. They have Jordan Leggett, the rookie, at tight end, Josh McCown. Matt Forte at running back. Their starting left tackle is Ben Iagelana. Their starting left guard is James Carpenter. Their center is somebody named Wesley Johnson. Right guard, Brian Winters. Right tackle, Calvin Beecham. Like, there is not a single good player on that offense. And that's their starters. I mean, like, I think you can make a case that... Three ball, pal. 
Yeah, Vlad Powell. <laughs> Vlad probably is the best player in that offense right now. With uh, and he was a backup last year. So yeah, with Anuwa hurt, <laughs> and you know it, the the worst part about all of this is they're going to be rotating between like McCown, Petty, and Hackenberg all season long. It's going to be a disaster. And yeah, I, I think we could be looking at one of the worst offenses like to ever play in the NFL this year. Yeah, uh, Miami Dolphins. Uh, I, I I don't have that many takes on Miami. I mean. I thought that they were going to regress, right? But uh, now Jay Cutler's the quarterback, so you can't really stake your flag on that. You know what I mean? Uh, so I think – I mean, do we trust Jay Cutler because he was – No, no, no. No, no, no. What, what I mean is, like, everyone thinks they're going to regress now. No one thinks that they're going to repeat as a playoff team, so you can't really okay. lean on that one. You know what I mean? That's not yeah. much of a take to be like, Miami's not making the playoffs now. Um, I, I think what I'll say is uh, Darren Rizzi, the assistant head coach and special teams coordinator – was given our information about close game stuff uh, by, uh, I want to say Adam Beasley, right? I think that was who yeah. it was. Adam Beasley, the Miami Herald, uh, quoted uh, our stats and said that, you know, they were 8-2 and two in one-score games, and, like, is that repeatable? And he said, it, do I think it's sustainable? Uh, we have the same people in the building. We've added some great pieces to the puzzle. It comes down to playing well in crunch times. Uh, it sounds like he agrees to it, so uh, we're, we're going to keep the uh, – we're going to keep – we're going to call it the Rizzy standings. And we're just going to keep track of close games, count close games as a tie, basically, and then multi-score games as wins or losses. And uh, we're going to keep that updated every week this this year so, you know, people can tell wh- who, which team is and isn't fraudulent. And uh, I'm, I'm just glad we got to name it after someone. So, Yeah, that's good. Uh, so let's move on to the NFC West. Sure. Uh, yeah. Let's start off with the. I'll start off with the Los Angeles Rams. I think that. Uh, I think that you'll see. I, I, this might be a hot take just based on what they did on offense last year, but I do think that this offense has a chance to be stable, like below average, not bottom of the sewer like they were last year. I, I think. You see some uh, some some kind of resurgence from Todd Gurley. Uh, I like the addition of Andrew Whitworth. Hopefully, if you're not just running, you know, those curl uh, curl flat uh, curl flat concepts that they ran constantly last season, just dink and dunk down the field. Uh, hopefully, that opens up the offense a little bit. I still don't trust Jared Goff, but I just think that with the improvement of uh, the coaching staff. Because anyone is better on offense than Jeff Fisher, uh, I, I think that you should see some some form of functionality in offense. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we talked about Todd Gurley uh, in like their running game in a. I think what episode was that? Like two episodes ago. Uh yeah. Yeah, two episodes ago where we talked about his yards per carry relative to tackle for loss percentage, stuff like that, and how there's literally no backup behind him. Uh, I will say the the one funny thing that I found about the Rams this year. This offseason is uh, Gerald Everett said that he and Tyler Higby were were uh, better than the tandem in Washington, the tight end tandem in Washington, which like, hmm, I don't know, man. Like, neither of you guys have really done anything in the league yet. No. Maybe, maybe, t- maybe calm down on that one. Uh, I guess I'll go with the – damn. I'll go with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I, I think that's a legitimate contender. Uh, we talked about this on an episode before. Uh, they have some questions on the defensive line quarterback and in the defensive back unit. Um, but I think when you look at the depth of the defensive back unit, I don't think that second corner is going to mean as much when you have Tyron Matthew and like Buda Baker moving around doing everything and you have Patrick Peterson b- being a legitimate shutdown cornerback. 
Uh, first preseason game. I mean, we don't want to take too much out of a Hall of Fame game, but Robert Kamdichie, like he, he looked like he had more potential than what he was showing on the field last year. Like he looked like Ole Miss Robert Kamdichie against uh, the Dallas Cowboys guys. But again, backup offensive lineman, and he never really finished the play. Uh, I I, th- I just think Arizona's defense was so underrated last year. I just think that that team, if they can get what they get, what they got out of David Johnson last year, and like Carson Palmer can be anything close to like a smidge better than what he was last year, I think this team can make a run. Because like, I feel like Arizona made a late push too, right? Didn't they make a late push to the playoffs? Like where they weren't technically ruled out of the playoffs until like probably week sixteen. Yeah, it was real late in the season that they finally got eliminated because they beat Seattle uh, on that on that field goal uh, in the, that they That's beat right. Seattle that allowed Atlanta to get the number uh, the number two seed. All right, uh, who you got? Who 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 are you picking between the 49ers and the and the Seahawks? Uh, I'm gonna go with the, the 49ers just because I, I think they're the more interesting team. I think that. Uh, I I think that there's going to be one game this season where they beat either the Cardinals or the Seahawks. The Cardinals or the Seahawks, that'd be interesting because like the AFC the the NFC West gets up for games like that. Like, uh, you always see like the NFC West teams always the team with the second Monday the second Monday night game on the first week of the year, and they look amazing. Like one of them will look amazing, and we'll be like, wow, they're great. And then you look at the rest of the season, you're like, how the hell did the Niners, like, blow out a team by, like, three touchdowns on Monday Night Football and finish, like, 2-14 and 14 or whatever they did last year? Yeah, and what's interesting about them is they actually, they finished 12th in sack percentage, 12th in completion percentage, but they were 31st in yards per completion. So you, you get, uh, you kind of move away from that defensive scheme that they, they were in last they year. Were, they were absolutely assy in, in run defense, too. Yeah. Like, the, the worst. Like, disgusting. Yeah, 31st in yards per carry, 22nd tackle for loss percentage. But I think if you get into a system that allows these guys to play upfield more than they did last year, that will help some. Uh, adding Solomon Thomas and Elvis Dumerville should help them in the pass rush department. So I, I think this could be a scrappy team, but... I don't expect them to be good. I, I think they they hit one game versus Arizona or or Seattle. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of a Seattle take. Uh, they're they're kind of what we think of Seattle. Like they have a really athletic defense, you know, all around solid. Their offensive line is horrid. Their receivers are below average. Um, they have some running back questions, and Russell Wilson is going to do enough to get them into the playoffs. Like I don't I don't really know what more to say than that. Other than I I think this team probably. This team could probably make a playoff run. So, like, how ma- how many of how many of these teams would you take over Seattle? We have just just say a yes or no. Uh, Green Bay. No. Tennessee. Uh, no. The Rams. Of course, no, no. The Giants. Mm, no, I would not. I still like the Seahawks. I still like Russell Wilson enough. Arizona. I would still take the Seahawks over them. San Francisco. Oh, the Seahawks. Jacksonville. Seahawks. This, 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 Dallas. Uh, Seahawks, yeah. So those are those are their away games. Like, I, I think that team could probably be in the running for the one seed, honestly. Like, I know a lot of people are just kind of plugging, like, plug and play Atlanta and Dallas in there because they looked really good last year. But I think, I think the way the schedule shakes out, like, Seattle should be able to make 
should be able to make a run for that one seed. And, like, their home games are even easier. Their home games are the Niners, Colts, Texans, Redskins, Falcons, Eagles, Rams, Cardinals. Like, there might be – there's a chance that there's one playoff team out of all those guys. Yeah, I I agree. Like, that team that team easily could go 12-4, and four, even though they have a horrid offensive line. Yeah, but even as bad as the offensive line is, I, I still think it's, like, their best group that they've put together in some time, even though, like, that doesn't mean much. But we've seen we've seen this team get into the playoffs with worse players than they have right now. So I don't know. I kind of I'm I'm kind of excited to see that offense work this year. Uh, AFC West start off with the Denver Broncos. I don't I I think this is the last place team in the division because we yeah we're hearing about all of the reports out of camp where Paxton Lynch is struggling and Trevor Simeon is like the clear number one. So if you're already punting on that Paxton Lynch pick, which you might be. I I I don't I, I don't see how this offense improves because Trevor Simeon like he's a I guess he's a stable force at quarterback like but you're not you, you have a very hard ceiling with Trevor Simeon and that run defense was really bad last year they're gonna need to improve there so I, I think that this is a team that finishes last in the AFC West. Yeah, so Lynch might not get the starting job as a sophomore. Um, since 2007, these are the first round quarterbacks who haven't thrown for 200 passes. In their rookie years, just their rookie years. So Lynch is already in this group. Brady Quinn, Jamarcus Russell, Jake Locker, and Johnny Manziel. Like it, it's kind of over for him. And like Denver, Denver yearly regresses on defense. Like in 2015, they had a great defense, right? All time. In 2016, in 2016, they had a great pass defense. In 2017, now they have a good secondary. Like that's what we can say. They have really good cornerbacks. And because they lost, they lost three of. Yeah, they lost three of their top four outside linebackers already due to injury or uh, or Demarcus Ware retiring. Yeah, it, it's, it, this this is going to be a huge year for them, and I, I, this has been picking up steam lately on Twitter. But John Elway has not been good at drafting. Like the free agency, he he's been money, but drafting, especially in offense, he's been just abysmal. So you you need uh, Garrett Bowles to really. Stabilize that left tackle spot this season. Uh, hopefully, Ronald Leary gets get you some push uh, at guard. But here are our, since 2011. Here are the uh, for the first for through the first three rounds. Here are the offensive draft picks that John Elway's made, courtesy of a uh, friend, Elliot Christ, Orlando Franklin, Ronnie Hillman, Brock Osweiler, Monty Ball, Michael Schofield, Cody Lattimore, Jeff Hurman, Ty Sambrello, and Paxton Lynch. Not one of those guys is a current starter anywhere in the league. Um, well, except Brock Osweiler, but I don't, I don't really know how long that's going to last. But starter in quotes, yeah, starter. Starter with an asterisk, yeah. So, and you've you've really kind of seen over the past few years the talent level just like just vanished from that offense. Uh, it, it's going to be a long year for them, and I think that that has potentially one of the worst offenses in the league. Uh, I'll do the Raiders so you don't have to. Um, the Raiders are going to regress this year. Uh, we talked about close games. Close games are 50-50 shots. Uh, when you look at teams who have won more than two games over 500 since 2006, uh, other than Colts teams, because the Colts are cheating. I don't know how they're cheating, but they're cheating. Um, every single team has regressed. 
And the, the opposite is true for teams that have been underrated. Every single one of those teams, or unlucky, every single one of those teams progressed in record the next year. Uh, on both ends, the average is about four to five different, four to five wins. So we're talking about a Raiders team that probably should be like seven and nine, 500. Uh, if you look at their their record last year, that kind of checks out. I mean, this team was, I, I believe they were, uh, they're eight and one in single score games. Uh, they were three and a half games over 500 in single score games, which is the most uh, since 2006, which is not, it's not a cutoff that I'm using to distort data. It's a cutoff that I use because we have a decade of data. And if you need more than that to prove this, I don't know what to tell you. Um, the Raiders like should absolutely regress. They were the luckiest team in the past decade over like last year. Um, their defense is horrid still. Uh, their offensive line is solid, but like it's their ear- interior offensive line. Um, running back, they're banking on a 30-year-old who is coming out of retirement and hasn't played football in a year. He also uh, Marshall Lynch also was not good the last time he played. Exactly, and and I would say their their passing offense. No, I'm not talking about Derek Carr's talent or anything like that. People get very defensive about Derek Carr's talent. The way their offense is structured is not any different from a production standpoint than how the Kansas City Chiefs act, other than Derek Carr doesn't get sacked as often as Alex Smith does. Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't like this team or this defense at all. I, I think Gary and Conley kind of pass or not kind of pass. He did pass. They're, they're, non, they're non-Khalil Mack defensive ends combined for their entire careers have two career sacks. Yeah, it's it's bad. I I think Eddie Vanderdose probably gets handed starting. He's guy. their second best. He's their second best defensive lineman. Yeah, already it's it's not pretty. I, I'm I like the potential of Garen Conley and uh, Obi Milawanfu, but you're still those are still rookies in the secondary and man. That, that's a that's a position where you can get burned early on too. Yeah. Especially if you're asked to be the guy, because Garen Conley might be the the guy like week one. Yeah, I mean, who else is who else is it going to be? We already saw uh, the other day. I saw a report that Sean Smith had been demoted behind the UDFA. So that's pretty much all you need to know about the Raiders. Is uh, it, they're going to they're gonna have to roll out Gary and Conley and David Emerson. Like they they really have no option. And I, I'm a big Con- I think Conley was either my fourth or fifth or fifth or sixth overall prospect in this past draft. And he's another one of those guys that clears those defensive back numbers, but. Just just because you're gonna have be a good defensive back in your career doesn't mean that you're gonna be an immediate impact guy if you have to be the number one. I think the difference between him and Tre'Davious White is Tre'Davious White's probably gonna be a number two next to uh, what's his name Ronald uh, in uh, Buffalo, the guy from uh, Florida State. I think Gary and Conley might have to be a no have to be the shutdown guy over the number one receiver because are you really trusting David Anderson to be that guy? I'm not. No. Uh, let's move on to the Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs. I think that this team can win the division, honestly. Uh, and I, I, I think what is going to have to change for them to make noise in the playoffs is what are you going to get from the quarterback position? We're going to see in the preseason uh, if Patrick Mahomes can kind of open up that offense a little bit more than Alex Smith does. But I, I feel like that should be a legit quarterback competition that isn't right now. Maybe it's because of the money they're paying Alex Smith, or maybe uh, they don't want to rush Mahomes too early. But I I just don't really get the point of playing with Alex Smith again. Like You know what this offense is going to look like. You know what it has looked like over the past like four or five years. I think it's time to make a change there. But I still think they have enough talent on both sides of the ball to come out on top in the division. 
Yeah, and uh, like you look at Kansas City's numbers, and they're not. There's not one thing that they're great at, like in any unit: pass defense, run defense, uh, you know, pass offense, run offense, anything. Like, there's not one thing that they're great at. But I think, like, I think some of it just comes down to Andy Reid. Like, Andy Reid is a legitimately great coach. He's a uh, 27 and eight in multi-score games uh, in Kansas City. If you look at his adjusted win percentage, which treats uh, single-score games as ties. Uh, he's, he has the second-best adjusted win percentage of any head coach in the sport, uh, the exception being Bill Belichick. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. That, that's, a, that's a pretty decent standard to live up to is being the second-best coach behind Bill Belichick. Um, I think they know how to use certain guys. Like, you look at Tyreek Hill's usage relative to the snaps that he had. Um, I think Andy Reid just legitimately, like, he's one of the guys who knows how to put guys in the best positions for them to succeed. And I kind of like the uh, the defensive line moves that they made this offseason. I, I know that, I, I mean, I, I like what uh, Don Terry Pill can bring to Atlanta just because I think getting him out of that system and asking him to cut like 25 plus pounds is going to be good for him. But if you're just basing it off of last season's play, taking out Don Terry Poe and replacing him with Benny Logan and Roy Miller, that's a win for the Chiefs. And then you get Chris Jones, who was... Uh, I thought he was. Re- we all thought he was really good last year. Uh, another year in the league, he he could be a superstar. So I think that you have a lot of potential on that defense. It's going to come down to is is Justin Houston going to get right, and will D Ford actually take the next step, not fake take the next step like he did for a couple games last season. Yeah, he had like a three sack game too. So like against, to say it was against yeah. Darrell Williams, I think. Yeah, man. Like a lot of those D Ford sacks are not. They, we, we talked about this with Vic Beasley a couple episodes ago where it's like I don't think he's going to be able to repeat that because the way he got sacks isn't necessarily conducive of getting more sacks in the future. Uh, D Ford is absolutely totally a thousand percent in that same boat. Um, he's I, I, I'd i be pretty shocked if he repeated and had a double digit sack season for the rest of his career, to be totally honest, like based off of what we've seen for three years now. Yeah. All right. My San Diego Chargers or Los Angeles Chargers. I'm going to do that. Yep. Uh, Felipe Rivera. We got Felipe Rivera at quarterback. Uh, I think his numbers his numbers don't reflect how he truly played last year. Uh, if you look at his interceptions in like the last two minutes of a game, totally different than the rest of it. Uh, I don't think he's going to be put in those type of situations this year. Uh, Melvin Gordon's going to be the head of the backfield, you know, pretty easily. They have Tyrell Williams, Dontrell Enman, Antonio Gates, uh, Hunter Henry, all sorts of uh, Keenan Allen coming back. If Mike Williams is any sort of alive, that's a lot of pass catching targets. Targets. Uh, if nothing else, like those those guys last year, Tyrell Williams, Travis Benjamin, Dontrell Inman, all those guys were were catching passes at an average of 14 yards or more per reception, which is an amazing rate for the volume of receptions that they've been able to bring down. Um, on the offensive line, they probably added more talent than any other team this year, other than the Cleveland Browns. You look at the defensive line. You know, Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram are already one of the best pass rushing tandems in the league. Uh, on the interior defensive line, like their their run defense somehow is quietly underrated. Even though like I had to Google some of their defensive linemen, like Ten- Tenny Palapoi, I think that's how you say it. Yeah, he was like their second most played defensive lineman last year. That and, wasn't like, that wasn't supposed to happen though, because no, no, no. Yeah, that was that was some injuries and like Brandon Meebane going down and stuff like that. But um, like I, that somehow they were able to stick it together. I think at at you know linebacker, you're playing two guys between uh, Jatavius Brown, Denzel Perryman, and Joshua Perry. That's gonna work out. Uh, they get they get Jason Verrett back after getting uh, at, after getting a breakout year from Casey Hayward. Um, they'll figure out the safeties in Los Angeles. 
I, I think this team, like, four seed. I, I'm firmly on four seed. They're going to go, like, nine and seven, get the four seed, and then maybe beat a wild card team and then get blown out by the Patriots. Uh, yeah, that's all you because I don't trust this team. Did you see the tweet that they put out today? Oh, no. They what tweet, was it? They tweeted uh, – <laughs> It was a picture of Philip Rivers standing next to Antonio Gates at practice, and they tweeted, <laughs> 17 plus 85 equals 100. 70, 17 plus 85. Yeah, 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 I saw that. I quoted it, and I said, 17 plus 85 equals four emoji seed. And I tried I tried looking for a seed emoji several times, and I was debating if, if the apricot was or wasn't something I should use. Yeah, I, I'm telling you, man, it's just... Some Charger shit's gonna happen. That tweet today is a perfect example of why you can't trust a team. Seventeen. Well, they they already fought. Uh, did you see the fight video with Keenan Allen? Uh, no, but I heard about it. Yeah, Keenan Allen beat the crap out of some Los Angeles Rams dude in in bright yellow socks. Like everyone else was was dressed very normal, and uh, Keenan Allen was very had very bright socks on fighting people. <sighs> I, I, yeah, that team is just I don't trust him. Uh, let's move on to the AFC South. Uh, this division is usually the worst in the league, and I, I, but I do think that they can take a step forward this year just because they there's a lot of talent in the, within the division. So I'll start off with the Houston Texans. Uh, I think that they, your Houston Texans, yeah, my fan, Houston Texans. Deshaun, Deshaun Watson went off last night, and I like the, the civil war on draft Twitter would could not have been more stressed. Oh, I mean, I'm not stressed because. I know I'm going to be right at the end of the day, but I, I do think that uh, I don't know if you make the playoffs, but I do think that adding him and just I, I think he gives you at least average quarterback play this year, which is something that they haven't had in a while. I, I don't get why people are trying to make this out to be a real competition between uh, Tom Savage and Deshaun Watson, because it's not like Tom Savage has even thrown a touchdown in his NFL career. So I don't know why he would be given the reins on that. But I, I I just like I like what he can bring to the offense. I think with the offensive line issues they might have, having somebody with his mobility is going to open up the offense a little bit. And I, I think that they'll be pushing for the AFC South crown, but I, I think the Titans get it at the end of the season. Yeah, so uh, I'll, t- I'll talk about the Colts, and we'll get it, – it'll tie in with the with the with my Texas take on the backlash of that. Um, so the Colts last year were three and four in in uh, in multi-score games. If you're looking at teams who who had fewer wins of that number and more losses of that number in the AFC, the only names that you're going to get are the Jaguars, the Browns, the Jets, and the Texans. Like I don't I don't think that this Colts team is going to compete for a playoff spot at all. I know they're in a rebuilding period and people are excited about that and they've brought in like legitimate front seven players and that like is something that Colts fans should get excited about because they didn't have that last year I don't think this team has a chance to make any sort of playoff shot and especially if like if if Andrew Luck isn't able to go week one and it seems more and more like that's going to be the reality of the situation um Scott Tolzien that's not I've seen I've I've lived the Scott Tolzien experience and that's why we have Brett Hundley now right the Packers have Brett Hundley now um Drop the Wii there, I because as a Packers owner, um, <laughs> but <laughs> if Scott Tolzien plays like two games, like I, I think any sort of shot of the Colts team being able to make the playoffs is just totally done. This is a year one rebuild, and they're in a very good spot to be in a year one rebuild. But that doesn't change the fact that they're in a year one rebuild. Yeah, that they uh, dropped it too deep yesterday, and I, I think that just looking at 
team's first unofficial two deep. Even with was it Philip, Philip Dorsett was like their third receiver. Like their oh, I didn't, even, I didn't even look at the offense, but the defense was just it, it's bad, man. Like they got some fake players starting in that secondary. Darius Butler starting at free safety because Malik Hooker. Uh, I don't think he's practiced yet. Because I think he's on POP. Yeah. yeah, he's still dealing with that hamstring. Uh, yeah, it, it's. I, I think they took the right step this offseason, but they're still pretty pretty far away. And if Luck is hurt to start the season, it, it's it might be a rocky start for them. So uh, moving on to the the Jaguars. A hot take about the Jaguars. AJ uh, McCarron. He yeah. start. He's starting week two. AJ <laughs> McCarron started week two, according to Ben Albright. He says they. Uh, I don't have the tweet in front of me, but he was saying basically that the Jaguars had uh, had gone into contact with the uh, Cincinnati Bengals about the availability of uh, AJ McCarron, which uh, it, it sounds bad in a vacuum, and then you realize what you have everywhere else other than Blake Bortles, and you're like, yeah, kinda. I but I but the but the Jaguars. I just don't – and we were talking about this before we came on, but I just don't understand how how do you go into the offseason and make no moves at quarterback? I'm just looking at what Blake Bortles ranked last year, he was 30th in QBR, 20th, 24th in DVOA. It's just – it doesn't make much sense to just roll in with Blake Bortles again. But – Especially not when that, that fifth-year option thing, man. Like if you do roll with Blake Bortles and then he gets hurt in week 14 – then you have to pay him fully guaranteed the next year. Like you're gonna be in a really bad spot, or you're gonna be in like the fringe of a playoff hunt and decide to make him a practice safety, right? Because you're just like, no, I can't. It's not worth it locking this into. Like he's the reason we're losing some of these games. It's not worth it for this playoff run, this chance at a playoff run, a wild card spot, or an AFC one spot, right? AFC South one spot to to play him the last couple weeks of the year. Like it just doesn't make any sort of sense at all. Nope. Uh, man. Yeah, I, I don't really have a hot take. I, but I do think that Leonard Fournette struggles this year. Just with the, It's going to be the same struggles that they've had uh, running the ball since Boyles has been quarterback. No one respects the pass, so they load up the box. And that offensive line is not great at uh, run blocking. Like They, they gave uh, they gave Brandon Linder that large contract, but they were, according to Football Outsiders again, uh, they were 25th when they were running up the middle. And like other teams that have big... Uh, offensive sign, big signings at center, like, uh, see the Saints, they were third, the Colts, they drafted Ryan Kelly, they were first, Dallas was second, uh, New England was seventh, Atlanta was fifth, Oakland was fifth, so these are teams that have put money to the center position and seen returns on it, and you look at Jacksonville, they were 25th running up the middle, uh, and then you go out and give Brandon Linder that huge contract, it do- that didn't make sense to me, uh, I-, I don't like this offense at all, and it just seems like we're going to they're going to waste a year of a defense that could be pretty good. Yep. Uh, my Tennessee Titans, three seed. Three, three seed and Marcus Mariota. Three seed and Marcus Mariota is going to be the face of, like, the new young quarterback movement, I think. Those are the two things. I mean, you look at their offensive line. Their offensive line is still completely intact. Um, look at tight end. Uh, Delaney Walker. I, I, I think there's still some hope for Jason Morrow, right? Former former second round pick, I want to say Jason Morrow, yeah. and then Jonathan Smith is there too. Uh, Marcus Mariota running the whole thing. Jocelyn Fowler at fullback. Demarco Murray, Derrick Henry, absolutely like one of the best one two tandems in the sport at running back. At receiver, they have Eric Decker, Corey Davis, uh, Corey Davis, Taewon Taylor, uh, guys like Rashard Matthews who produced last year. 
even Tajay Sharp, you know, when he's not fighting people at bars and <laughs> things of that nature. Um, like, their defense is solid, too. Like, they probably hit, like, the 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 Derek Morgan, Brian Arakpo pairing at, at the edge spots, um, probably one of the most underrated pairings in the sport. They have, uh, they have defensive backs who I don't have to Google what they're, like, who they are. Like, if they are, in fact, real names or Madden-generated names. Um, I, I think this team is decent all around and in the AFC South. Like that, that's going to get you a three seed. Like that's going to get you th- the three seed in the AFC. Uh, did you see? Uh, I forget what his name is. It's Paul K. He used to be the ESPN Nation writer oh, for like Paul Kaharski, something like that. Yeah, who where he took the picture of Eric Decker, but it it for sure was not Eric Decker. Like it was a black guy. <laughs> it was a black guy, and then he re-upped with the picture and said, "This is a picture immediately after that frame, and the defender was different, and it was Eric Decker." Yeah, I, I don't know why he was doing that. That was pretty weird. Maybe he was just trolling people. It was, a, it was people. an odd double down. It yeah. was a very double down. Maybe he was just trolling people, but if so, you got to let that sarcasm come through a little bit better, bud. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like I like the Titans this year. And I, I like the way that they've kind of figured out their identity because it seemed like the first year that Mike Malarkey was a head coach, that was an offseason for Mike Malarkey. You, you go out and get uh, Jack Conklin, uh you go out and get DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry, and if you just follow Malarkey's career, like he wants to be the team that imposes their will on offense. So like that kind of got the identity for them. And then this offseason, they kind of went towards helping out Marcus Mariota a little bit more. So you have the identity with the offensive line and the running backs, and you go out and get Eric Decker and Taewon Taylor and Corey Davis to help Mariota out. So this is an offense that has... A lot of present, a lot of potential, and we already know they do one thing at an elite level, which is run the ball. And now they have the weapons outside to kind of exploit off of that more. So this this should be an exciting team to watch. Now let's move on to the NFC South, and the I want to start off with the Carolina Panthers. I think that they go ten and six, and uh, like they're in the discussion for a wild card spot at the end of the season. That that's a bit rich for me. Ten and six, ten and six is going to win the South. To be totally honest, like I, I think I think they're going to cannibalize each other. Um, ten and six, man, that's that's super rich for me. Like, I, okay, their their tackle situations aren't great right now, at least, right? Taylor Taylor Moten, our son, is not starting yet. Um, running back, I think, as soon as McCaffrey gets that starting job, they're going to get a lot better at that running back position. You look at what what their tackle for loss percentage relative to their uh, yards per carry numbers, and it doesn't make sense. Like it should be something where like Christian McCaffrey shouldn't be taking number two step sn- snaps right now. Jonathan Stewart wasn't doing enough with what he had blocked in front of him. Um, receiver, I guess that li- little number eighteen bird or whatever his name was, kind of shined in that uh, that Texans game, uh, that Texans preseason game. But like I I don't think that offense is going to be great. I don't know. I, Maybe I, that's just me. That's that's the issue that I have with Carolina. I think I think they're firmly going to be in that like eight and eight range. Like give give or two, give one game either way. They're going to be around there and they're going to miss the playoffs. I think like they're they're very much like six seed or seven seed, eight seed NFC team. I I, I still like that defense a lot. Uh, if you just you know some of the stats, they were fifth uh, in weighted DVOA, uh, which favors games played towards the end of the season more so they they finished the season strong they were uh where did that thing go on defense they were third in sack percentage they were uh 
Jesus Christ, I cannot read today. They were third in sack percentage, ninth in yards per carry, eighth in tackle per loss percentage. I, I, I think this is a talented defense. You still got a really good front seven with uh, the defense. They are, but I don't know. I don't know how fraudulent those defensive ends are, man. If I'm going to be totally honest, like I, don't, I, I don't think it matters because they've kind of been rolling with fraudulent defensive ends for a long time now, and they've always. I think it's like the defensive tackles and the linebackers that that carry them. Carolina's home schedule is super hard, so. They have the Bills, right, who I think we believe in, the Saints, who we don't believe in, the Eagles, who I believe in at least, uh, the Falcons, uh, the Dolphins, who we're lower on, the Vikings, who I think we're higher on, the the Packers, who I would say are still better than the Panthers, and then the Buccaneers, who are s- semi in that range with the Panthers at least. So, like, it, there's one one or two gimme games at home. That That's a pretty hard schedule to be going to be predicting a 10-6 and six team. Yeah, I think they're going to be good this year. I, I like the defense, and I, I think that that interior trio of Norwell, Khalil, and Tri Turner, if they can if they can stay healthy, uh, I, I still think that's one of the best trios in the league. So I'm, I'm probably higher on the Panthers than a lot of people, but I, I think this is a fringe playoff team. Cam McDonald. <laughs> uh, the, the Atlanta Falcons, I'll, I'll take them on. Um, I think that Mohamed Sanu and Taylor Gabriel are fraudulent. To be totally honest, I think I think it's a Kyle Shanahan effect. Um, like it, it, we we could be looking in like a month a month from now and being like, oh my god, we really thought like Taylor Gabriel or Muhammad Sanu could be a number two receiver in the NFL, like a, a very solid number two receiver in the NFL. Um, Kyle Shanahan has done this before. I mean, you look at Alfred Morris. If nothing else, he's done it with a running back. Uh, I don't know, man. I I just don't. I don't buy into this – after looking at the numbers, I don't buy into this Atlanta Falcons team as much as I thought I would because, like, their offensive line was more more volatile than I think we thought before, and their defense was worse than I, I had known. Yeah, they their defense did get better towards the end of the season. Uh, like, I think they finished, like, 22nd in weighted DVOA. Uh, but – the, Round of applause for that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> shoot, that's a that's a that's a big step. But I I, I still like the uh, like just the 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 name talent they have on defense. Like I, I think there's a lot of talented players. It just needs to kind of come together for them. And I, I don't think Muhammad Snu was fraudulent last year because I I just I didn't think he was anything special. Like I thought he was an average number two. But Taylor Gabriel is definitely in for. Uh, a regression this year. Last year, he was the most efficient receiver in the league for receivers uh, with among among receivers with 50 pass attempts. That's definitely coming down. But with the offensive line, even if they're hit or miss, like their peak plays are still good enough to rip off some big plays. And you still got Freeman and uh, Coleman. I I just think they have too much talent on that team to to like be bad or like even an average team. I, I still think that this is a double digit team, double digit uh win team. I think them and Carolina are, are the two at the top of the south. So I, I need to ask you something about that running back situation, right? Um so Freeman got all that money, right? Uh I think they kind of messed up by making that deal so long. Like if they front loaded it like what the the alleged offer for Le'Veon Bell was, right? They probably could have gotten out of that out of the signing bonus, right? If they front loaded a bunch of guaranteed money over the next two years, they could have front loaded it in a way that they could get out of that contract and not have to choose between Freeman and Coleman until 2019 or whatever that is. Uh, tw- yeah, it's 2019. Well, they, um, they can get out of the Freeman contract after 2019. 
after 2019, but I mean before 2019. Like you could have that decision when Tevin Coleman is exiting to be a free agent if you want to pull the rug for, out from under Freeman. Unless I guess well, you try to that. get they have that option because they have them both under contract for at least two more seasons. Right. No. 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 But I mean, contracts has the contract structure come out because it sounded like the signing bonus, the way that it's going to be prorated, is in a way that it's it it, it would hurt the Atlanta Falcons more in terms of cap space to release Freeman after 20, after the 2018 season uh than than to keep him like it it would it would be like shooting yourself in the foot basically i'm looking at the contract details on spotrack and uh on like for 2020 is like the first year that they could cut him after the 2019 right. season so that would be right when Tevin Coleman's about to hit the market and just the way that they've kind of run things I, I wouldn't be surprised if they tinker around with that offense a little bit. Maybe get this new contract off the books and then give that money to Tevin Coleman. I I, I know they're really high on both of them. Uh, I just think it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out in a couple years. How how mad are you going to be when Tevin Coleman's a Buccaneer? Uh, not that mad because he can't stay healthy. But <laughs> uh, you want to talk about the Buccaneers or should I go in? I don't. I think we can both uh, agree that they're I, not that I th- good. I think they're. I think they're pretty super average. I think uh, Jameis throws the throws interceptions a lot. Um, I do love Hard Knocks though. I saw episode one of Hard Knocks and it's amazing. And we were, I already got an amazing uh, Jameis Winston gift from uh, when he was listening to I forget his name. He's some white linebacker, but he was he was singing Fetty Wap, and uh, Jameis looked like he had a heart attack. So that yeah, that's worth yeah. watching. Nothing else. Their offense. They were above average at basically one thing last year and it was run percentage so they just ran the ball a lot like that that's the only thing that their their uh defense or their run their offense was good at um on defense they were horrible at everything other than interception percentage and sack percentage um so basically they can make splash plays on the defensive side of the ball in the passing game and on the offense they run the ball a lot that's that's not much of an identity yeah, I, I just don't even think that this team is that talented. The, them, they're them and the Saints are. They're, I think they're just easily the two bottom teams in the division. The Saints, they have almost no talent on defense. Uh, you got they lost Nick Fairley. Sheldon Rankins is a promising player. Uh, Cam Jordan off the edge is one of the better edges in the league, but that secondary is wrong. No, no help, no help, no help around. Like they don't even have help on the defensive line other than those guys. Like it, it's a bad situation. Uh, Lattimore. Has hamstring injuries, you know. He's on turf. Uh, speed, speed is going to matter a lot. Uh, getting, having a bum leg on that, not, not an ideal situation. Um, yeah, man. And, and, and just like already, like Max Unger's hurt. Uh, Teron Armstead's hurt. They're having to replace uh, Brandon Cooks. You know, th- there's a lot of things going on in New Orleans at the same time. And like, I think uh, I, I, if I were going to say a take, I'd say that like Drew Brees is going to have the New Orleans Saints organization by the balls next year. Like this, this offseason is going to be crazy because like Drew Brees might be able to finesse another major deal out of the leverage that he has in New Orleans right now. Yeah. All right. Let's close up with the last two divisions uh, with the let's see. Where were we? We were on the AFC North now. Uh, let's I want to talk about oh, the Bengals. I, I think the Bengals finished with like a top six draft pick this year. That offensive line is going to be absolutely abysmal. I for the life of you, me, do you know what the do you know what their Vegas over under is? No, it's like eight and a half. Oh, I'm taking the under on that. Yeah, I, I think uh, I was lower on that. Yeah, I have them projected for six wins, and their Vegas over under is eight and a half. 
uh, the only teams that are close to them were Oakland and Tampa Bay, which if you've heard me talk about Oakland and Tampa Bay kind of falls in line with that. Um, I ended up having they, – they had uh, – in my projections, they had the third worst record in the AFC. So they were only behind the Jets and the Browns. And in the NFC, the only teams with a worse record than them were the Rams and the 49ers. Like, I, I could see top five pick for them. Yeah, and the thing is, like, they lost a lot of talent off the offensive line, man. They, they lost Kevin More than Zeitler. anyone. In terms of money, anyone. Right. Like, by far. Kevin Zeitler, uh, who they drafted in the first round, became what they wanted him to be. And then they let him walk to a division rival. Okay, that made no sense. Uh, Andrew Whitworth left for the Rams. And last year... They didn't really, in terms of run blocking at least, they didn't have an offensive line problem because they were 7th in tackle for loss percentage, but they were 23rd in yards per carry. And now you lose your two best offensive linemen. Uh, Man, it's going to be a struggle because it's not like they're replacing those guys with average guys. They're replacing them with awful players with Jake Fisher and Cedric Obwey. It's going to be bad. I I think that that offensive line is going to be bad enough to tank that entire offense and potentially careen their season. Yeah, if you, if you ever wanted to know what the Seahawks would look like without a defense, that's that's what the Cincinnati Bengals are basically. And without a quarterback. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, what are you talking about, AJ McCarron? Um, I, I Pittsburgh Steelers. I think uh, I think we're gonna make some money off the Steelers if we play this right. That's my prediction. Um, there's two quarterbacks basically. There's three quarterbacks over the last like 15 years who have made AFC Championship games. It's Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. And uh, Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning is no longer doing that. He, he like the Manning family apparently is going to like try to buy a portion of the Tennessee Titans, um, but like Brady and Roethlisberger are the only two guys who have like actually won a significant amount of AC Championship games. They're the only guys who I think have won more than I think it's them and Russell Wilson are the only active quarterbacks right now who have been to more than one Super Bowl. I believe that's correct. Um, so you could pretty much pin down. Like Patriots, pa- Patriots or Steelers every year in the AFC, other than like Manning, right? To go to the to to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl, and like you'd be right ninety five percent of the time, other than that Joe Flacco year. Uh, I think if we bet on the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers Super Bowl odds right now, which on some sites were actually like they had a less of a chance to make the Super Bowl than the Houston Texans somehow. Uh, if we do that, and then we parlay money when they play the Patriots in the AFC championship game, I think we can make some money off of that. Cause there's for sure like the, the, the Steelers are going to go to the AFC championship game and they are going to lose to the new England Patriots in that AFC championship game. Let's make some money off of knowing that. Yeah, I agree. It's the AFC, the top of the AFC is predictable and has been for a long time. And, and that should continue. Uh, let's go to the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens. I, 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 I think that they, uh, I I think that they finish within like one or two games of the Cleveland Browns like ahead of them. So I, I don't I think that that middle tier of the division with the Ravens and the Browns is is closer than people are giving it credit for so far. I, I know the Ravens they're gonna have I, that offense is gonna be bad like yeah. really bad. Yeah, I, I I would bet that the Cleveland Browns offense is better than the Baltimore Ravens offense. Oh yeah, I would agree with that for sure. I mean, and but the thing with the Ravens is they have that defense, which should be absolutely incredible this year to kind of to balance that out. And with the Ravens, the Ravens defense, if you haven't go to settingnesh.com, you can read about one of their players, Michael Pierce. Uh, I wrote about him the other day, but their their defensive line is really deep. I, they finally have some young pass rushers in the fold with Tyus Bowser and Tim Williams. I really like that secondary, even though Tavon Young is out for the year. 
But that offense, man, they have nothing on that offense. Like it, it's just Jeremy Macklin and Marshall Yonda. Yeah, uh, they just signed. Uh, crap, I'm spacing on his name. The offensive tackle from uh, the Raiders. Uh, Austin Howard. Yeah, Austin Howard. Austin Howard might be like, how, how many names on offense can you go before you get Austin Howard? Like, how how, how many guys are better than Austin Howard? I would say, like, okay, maybe Jeremy Macklin. Right? Marshall Yonda. Marshall Yonda. I would say Ronnie Stanley is better than him. Well, so at worst he's four. He's he he's at three before we start getting conflicts, right? That that that's crazy. Like he was literally discarded from Oakland. Sheesh, yeah. That offensive line is in rough shape, man. And I, I think you know if, if you want to switch the fancy for a second, I think that with uh the Ken Ken Dixon got hurt for the season, so I, I think that yep. Danny Woodhead might be like a PPR monster. I don't know. That's How? what I said for fantasy guys busting my balls when I said that. Why? They were just like, it's, it's situational usage and it doesn't matter. And Danny Woodhead has never gotten a significant amount of touches. Like, Who else is going to touch fairly, the ball, though? I guess he's a fairly, like, known commodity, I guess they would say. He's like, he's like a consistent known commodity. Like, you know what you're going to get from him. It doesn't matter who's injured before him because he's only going to be a third, round, uh, third down back in the minds of others. But I mean, what? Who else? I don't think I don't think the Ravens have a choice but to use him more than he's been using. That's what. Look, listen. You don't have to tell me. Uh, that that's the case that I was trying to make, and then fantasy Twitter got all over me. I, I'm I'm with you on that one. Like the only other exception is like maybe Terrence West. Like Terrence West puts it together. Yeah, but even then, like that's that's nothing to get excited about. Right. And this Baltimore team, uh, we should know. Like this Baltimore team throws to running backs all the time. Yeah. Like if Kyle Kuzcheck, their fullback, would have returned to this team. He would have he would have had more receptions than any wide receiver on the team, returning wide receiver on the team other than Mike Wallace. Yep, it, it's it's not a good it's not a good situation for them on offense. It's, it's going to be a really bad offense to watch again. Um, so Mike, let's talk Mike about Cleveland the, Browns. Let's talk about our our Cleveland Browns because I, I like what Browns. they're doing. Uh, I think Deshaun Kaiser, I think Deshaun Kaiser wins the quarterback battle. I think their offensive line is by far the most improved offensive line in the sport. And I think their running back unit, uh, or I guess I, I should just say their running game. I think their running game becomes one of the most deadly running games in the league this year. I think I want to say uh, the, the Browns had the second highest yards per carry mark in the league. Um, and, and that wasn't like, there's no giant split that would say that that's a lot of like, uh, what, what do we call it when Blake Bortles throws for uh, garbage time, garbage time numbers. Yeah. It's uh, garbage time. It's not. It's not to say like those weren't garbage time numbers. Those were earned yards, and that was with a horrible offensive line. Like I think they were. I think they were like thirty first in tackle for loss percentage and thirty second in sack percentage, and their sack percentage was like ten percent of the plays. Like it was. It was a ridiculous amount relative to the rest of the league. Um, they added more offensive line talent than anyone with JC Treader. With JC Treader and those other. Who else did they add? Uh, Zeitler, right? Yeah. They added Zeitler. Um, I, I just think with that, like that offense is going to start getting like that offense is going to be humming. If you can get Corey Coleman back uh, to like what we thought like Baylor Corey Coleman was going to be. Like I said, I, I, I think this offense other than the I, I think it's probably better than the Bengals and the Ravens, to be totally honest. Yeah, I, I, I like this Browns offense. Uh, the secondary is, is a disaster, but that front seven. Should oh, be that, fun. that defense is still bad. And like. Miles My- Garrett is not going to be a one-man show that turns around that pass rushing unit. Like I, I think the uh, Oakland Raiders were 31st in sack percentage last year, despite having Khalil Mack on the team. Like one guy does not make a pass rushing unit at all. 
Uh, yeah, you're right. But I, I still like, like the Browns defense kind of reminds me of where the Falcons were, uh, at the start of the season. Like, I don't, they don't have the talent in the secondary, but it's a young group that's got some explosive players in it. And I, I think even though the overall outcome will be bad, you're still going to have some fun, like peak plays with Jabril Peppers and Miles Garrett. And I'm, I'm pretty bullish on Danny Shelton as a run defender coming into the season. So yeah, the Browns arrows pointing up, but you're not quite there yet. So the last division we have the NFC North start off with your green Bay Packers. Damn. I don't want to pick green Bay. Cause I don't know what to say. Uh, I think their secondary is better and their pass rushing is worse. Um, I, I'll say they're a wild card team. Honestly, that that's probably that's probably the hot take. If you're gonna have a hot take on Green Bay, I think they're gonna be a wild card team because I think Minnesota's better than them at like s- several areas that aren't offensive line and quarterback. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about this defense coming into the year? Because I, I I still don't think it looks that good on paper. Um, it doesn't look great on paper, but then you look at how it functions in nickel. So basically they have, they have several different type of nickel packages now, and two of them include, uh, safeties playing inside linebacker. So like you look at their starters, their starters and base at inside linebacker are going to be Jake Ryan and Blake, uh, Blake Martinez, but in nickel, it's going to be Morgan Burnett and Joe Thomas. And Joe Thomas is basically, he's basically like a safety, um, not, not that Joe Thomas, like that's basically (laughs) not, not that one. Not that one. Um, you look at their starting unit, and like it looks like Kenny Clark is only going to be a base guy, which kind of makes sense until you realize like Dean Lowry is going to be playing like nickel nose for him. Mm. Which but Dean Lowry solid though, honestly. I, I don't know how much Dean Lowry you saw last year. I ended up grading him because I graded uh, thirty four ends. Like he's a very good, he's very good at at interior pass pressure, is what I would say. Right? Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe not who you want there at, at nose tackle, especially considering his short arms, but. I don't know. Um, defensive back, I think they're solid at defensive back, to be totally honest. Uh, Devon House, Demarius Randall, Kevin King, even Quentin Rollins. Uh, Ladarius Gunter was getting some reps, but, like, literally even when Ladarius Gunter was playing against, like, Atlanta last year, it was hurt Ladarius Gunter playing against Atlanta, and, like, that's not a guy that could he's, – he's not a guy who could lose a wheel. You know what I mean? Oh, he's still yeah. Cool. Like he already had a wheel lost. Like there's no mo- there's no momentum going if he loses that other one. Um, I think this secondary is going to be tremendously, uh, tremendously improved. I think the issue with me honestly is the depth at pass rusher because they have Nick Perry and Clay Matthews, right? Yeah. And after that, they have Kyler Fackrell, who said at the Senior Bowl when we were there two years ago uh, that he would uh, he would rather play safety than linebacker because he would rather drop into coverage than rush after the quarterback. And he's like a 25 year old. And yeah. I think he has one NFL sack. Uh, J. Ron Elliott, who's like a preseason hype guy who's on the bubble. Uh, Vince Beagle, who already has a hurt foot. So, and has had injury issues at coming out of college, which is why he dropped in the draft. So those are the three guys that they have backing up to, to like $50 million pass rushers. Yeah. My take is going to be, I think the Vikings win the division. Uh, I, I, yeah. I, I like what they did this offseason, man. You may, you kind of, they played the draft well without a first round pick. They got Dalvin, uh, Dalvin Cook, um, I'm blanking, Pat Eiflin, and then Jaleel Johnson, like as your first three picks, and that makes a lot of sense because you kind of needed a running back with Adrian Peterson going on, and you needed a running back even if he had stayed on. Uh, you needed a, a pretty much a whole new offensive line. They went out and did that with Mike Remmers and uh, Riley Reef. Now I'm not, I don't think that either of those two guys are great players, but they were still a competitive team with like TJ Clemming starting at 
offensive tackle. Jake, Jake Long, like, yeah. str- like pulled out mm-hmm. of existence and then put into retirement. Yeah, I like so. I I do think that they overpaid for those guys, but they just needed complacent. They needed uh, not complacency, but somebody who can function at all. Like a base, tackle. like a baseline level of offensive line talent, and like Pat Elfline, like all those guys. Like Pat Elfline is a backup, and like last year, I don't think that. I think he cut. He would have been like a plug and play type of guy. Yeah. So they have some more depth in the offensive line. They uh, went out and got Dalvin Cook, who's already the first team running back. That defense should be better just because they added uh, some depth to the defensive line, and you're going to get another good season from Daniel Hunter. Hopefully, hopefully, Anthony Barr comes back healthy. I I, I just like the talent on this team too much, and I, I think that with the improvements they made and the focus that they want to run the ball better, I, I think that this should be the team that wins the division. Right, and this was a team that also won six games by multiple scores last year. Uh, the the list of game of teams in the NFC who won more than that were one. It was the Atlanta Falcons. And they had as many multi-score wins as the Dallas Cowboys last year. Like, this Vikings team is still very potent. You know what I mean? Like, they just got a – they were a couple of holes that they, they weren't able to mask last year, and now they have masked them. Um, and their defense is amazing, like legitimately amazing on every level of the fo- on, of the field. Um, like you, you talk about like who the like Linval Joseph is probably their third best defensive lineman. Um, Anthony Barr is probably their second best inside linebacker. Uh, when you talk about nickel, uh, you talk about like their the tr- like you talk about their uh, defensive back unit, like Harrison Smith, Xavier Rose. Those are two legitimate like all star, all star Pro Bowl, uh, all pro, whatever you want to call them, defensive backs. Uh, th- this team should absolutely be a force, and like that, that team should absolutely be looked at as a team that can not only make like a run for the NFC North, but like honestly, uh, if you're talking about like NFC title runs, is probably only the Seattle Seahawks above them for me. Yeah, and it's probably the quarterback position that that pushes the difference between them. I still like. I still think the Falcons can compete for the NFC title. That I- that defense is bad. I don't know. I can't get over that defense to be totally honest. I still trust them. They were they they did get a lot better to like in the second half of the season and in the playoffs too. I don't I don't know. I, I think Dan Quinn. I just trust Dan Quinn to kind of keep turning that thing in the right direction. Uh, I'll uh, go with uh, my my Detroit Lions. We, we're going to talk about the Detroit Lions because oh, they're, they're going to be terrible. All Lions fans. Yeah yeah. Lions fans always get in my mentions about this. Uh, Detroit the Detroit Lions had one win by multiple scores last year. Here's a list of teams that had it one win of multiple scores or or less last year, okay? It's the Jacksonville Jaguars who had one. The Cleveland Browns had zero. The Houston Texans had one. The San Francisco 49ers had one. And the Los Angeles Rams had zero. Like, this is not a good team. Uh, the fact that they were in the playoffs was like – they, they were a statistical anomaly last year. Like, the fact that, that uh, Lions fans are like, well, we added talent. Like, we physically added draft picks and free agents, not considering if they were plus or minus values at their asking prices. Uh, and we made the playoffs last year. Shouldn't we be able to make the playoffs this year? Th- that, there's n- there, like, there's no way. Like, I don't think I, there's I, any chance. We, we talked about um, the Bengals finishing with a bad record. Like, I, I think, like, the, the Lions are going to finish with a sub-500 record. Like, I don't, I don't oh, think there's really a question about it. Yeah, like if, if the if the if Detroit was picking like I don't know, like eighth overall this next year, that would not surprise me one bit. Like one single bit. No, and I still don't trust that defense. Last year they were thirty second in completion no. percentage, twenty fifth in interception percentage, 
30th in sack percentage, 20th in yards per carry, 26th in tackle for loss percentage, 22nd in football, and then fumble uh, percentage. It, it's a bad defense, and all they added was uh, they added a Jared off the ball linebacker, and they added a, a six or a four six four seven cornerback. Yeah, it's been uh, getting toasted. It, it it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I I think that that's a bad football team that's going to be picking the top ten next year. A team that's going to be better than them. The last team we'll talk about the yep. Chicago Bears. That, our Chicago Bears. Our Chicago Bears. I am in love with that front seven. I think it's going to be great. Their offensive line is functional. Jordan Howard's a stud. And I, I think if Mike Glennon gives you stability this year at quarterback, you should be at least, you know, above the lines in the NFC North standards. Yeah, uh, the Bears also had more multi-score wins than the uh, Detroit Lions last year. Um, they're one of those teams that were very unlucky last year. They were two and a half games under 500 in in uh, in close games. Uh, they should have been like a six-win team, and they were a three-win team. And when you think that that's not that big of a difference, uh, like six, six wins can mean a lot. Three three wins usually means one thing. You know what I mean? Like six wins, you can be like a you could be like a borderline wild card team, right? and get six wins. Uh, if you win three wins, like you're really bad. Like the bears aren't actually really bad. Um, when Brian Hoyer was in there, at least like when, when, uh, Matt Barkley was in there, like all bets were off. Like that team was going to get blown out. Um, but, but I think like if Mike Glennon can even be like average, right. They have one of the best interior. Like I'd probably say like the Raiders and the Cowboys last year when the Cowboys offensive line was when, uh, they had Lyle Collins on the inside. Right. I think those two were probably the best offensive lines in the sport other than the Bears. And now with Dallas reshuffling, like I think the Bears probably have one of the best interior offensive lines, one of the two best interior offensive lines in the sport. And when you're talking about run game, that's really all that matters for run game. There's really not that many like runs outside of the tackles in the NFL as you would expect. Um, you know, that that's why Jordan Howard Howard is amazing is cuz you have Co- Cody Whitehair, uh Josh Sitton, and Kyle Long on the inside just mauling people to death. Um, their pass protection somehow is like quietly like quietly solid. Charles Leno Jr. is doing just about as much as you could ask for from like a third-year seventh-round pick or whatever he was, seventh or sixth-round pick. Um, Cameron Meredith is actually halfway decent. If they can get anything out of Marcus Wheaton or uh, Kevin White, they should be solid in two receiver sets. Um, you look at their tight end situation, they're three deep in tight end for whatever reason. Like they, they're they were like, we want to draft Adam Shaheen in the second round and also pay Deion Sims an exorbitant amount of money to to be behind, to be, you know, either num- to compete for a number two tight end situation. Uh, their front seven is great. Uh, DB, obviously, that's that's their big need, in my opinion, unless their wide receiver unit, you know, Marcus Whedon and, uh, Marcus Whedon and Kevin White just absolutely fall off the face of the earth. Yeah, so I think that's going to cover it uh, for our 32 takes. This was a pretty long episode, but we'll be back next week to talk uh, preseason. Yeah, so, sorry about that. Sorry. Yeah, it's fine. It's all good. We'll be back next week to talk uh, preseason takes with hopefully Kean Fahey, who now has uh, ESPN podcast. Congrats out. Congrats to him. Shout out to Kean. Hit him up for a job. Yo, yeah, if, if you want a job at ESPN, hit him up for a job. He was telling me that, he was telling me that in uh, DMs, those DMs that I sent you, that were like, hey, screen cap this and tell Charles that I hate him. We were talking. He was like, bro, like 50 people have hit me up that like I've never talked to before. Did I just go out for a second? Yeah, you did. That was weird. Uh, that I've never talked to before and have hit me up for like jobs and stuff. Like I can't believe humans. So we're going to try to get him to talk about that being big shot ESPN on next episode. 
All right. Uh, yeah, so definitely check the site. I'm going to have the write-ups for the uh, Cardinals and Seahawks up before the weekend. And uh, we'll be back next weekend. Have a good week.